Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to episode number 82 of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, in Studio A, here with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome. Shalom Aleichem to you. All right, check this out. So uh, I messed up. Uh, last week, uh, episode 81 may have sounded very familiar, something like episode, I think it was like 24 or 26 or something like that. Uh, it sounded a lot like last year's podcast for the same Torah portion, Tetzaveh. So uh, I do apologize for that. What I ended up doing is I took the audio file from last year somehow and stuck it in for this year's podcast. And I realized it, and on Shabbat, I ended up switching it out. So some of you may have listened to a rerun of last year's podcast. Some of you may have listened to this year's podcast. Either way, the podcast was awesome. Do you agree with that? I thought the podcast was good. They're all good. Uh, I mean... Even last year's. <laughs> even even last It's relevant. Year. But the way you'll know is that uh, if it was like 31 minutes, then that's last year's. If it was like 50 minutes, that's this year. So uh, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to it because, you know, all this stuff is leading up to today's podcast, which we're going to discuss some interesting stuff. Couple couple, uh, housekeeping items. We had on Monday night Ruben Prager in the house. It was awesome. Ruben Prager is uh, an Orthodox Jew from the, the land of Israel. He's actually born in Miami, but he's lived in Israel for, I think, like the last 40 years or something like that, 42 years. And he has been a Levite on duty for 36 years. And what does that mean? He's got a, a, a ministry called Beged Ivri, B-E-G-E-D-I-V-R-I.com. You can go there and see his stuff. But basically, he's restoring uh, elements of the Second Temple period. Uh, he is... Uh, making biblical garments. Uh, and essentially, his job is to say, okay, we have these traditions today, but the traditions that we have today from the Jewish people are not necessarily the actual traditions. These are adaptations for the Jewish people to use in exile as a remembrance to the actual traditions. So he's he's doing all kinds of things. One of them uh, is the biblical garments. Other things have to do with like the uh, the incense and uh, the smells of the tabernacle, things that they used in the tabernacle. And then... Um, now he has also done the Holy Half Shekel, and uh, he, I think for 20 years now he's been doing, or 21 years he's been doing the Holy Half Shekel uh, since the 50th year of Israel's uh, uh, restoration in the land up to this year being the year 71. Um, so very, very cool. Uh, I encourage you guys to look up Ruben Prager, begadevery.com. Very cool stuff. That's not even all we got going on. Listen, March 4th, Monday night. We have an awesome special guest. Her name is Eve Harrow. Uh, she is a tour guide in the land of Israel, has an awesome podcast called Rejuvenation. It is on the Land of Israel Network. If you guys haven't been listening to any of the podcasts on the Land of Israel Network with, with Jeremy Gimpel, Ari Abramowitz, both of those guys are rabbis, very awesome people. Joss Tastings, um, Gil Hoffman, Yishai Fleischer, uh, awesome network of people that are doing podcasts. Eve Harrow is among them, and uh, she is awesome. She will be here March 4th, Monday night. Uh, we'll be discussing the reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles and how we can work together. Sounds familiar to a lot of you guys. But coming from her, we're very excited to have her uh, with us uh, on March 4th. So 
that's all the 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 housekeeping things that I have. Uh, we're gonna jump into the um, the Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is called Ki Tisa, which means when you elevate. And this can be found in the book of Exodus, starting in chapter 30 and verse 11, and ending in chapter 34 and verse 35. Oh, yeah. What an awesome time. You know, just a reminder, everyone, that in Exodus, chapters 1 through 18 is about deliverance. Chapters 19 through 40 is about worship. So I'm going to have Ryan begin reading in Exodus chapter 30, verses 11 through 16. Here's the intro to Kitisa when you elevate in regards to the tabernacle. Once again, this is going to be a tax for the tet or a ransom. So let's go ahead and read uh, verses 11 through 16 in chapter 30 of Exodus. All right. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This they shall give every one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is twenty geras, and half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel, when they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shalt appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Okay, so just remember last week we talked about the uh, priest's clothing. We also talked about the dedication of the tabernacle. So this isn't just for an elite group of people, just the Levites or the Cohens, the priests or whatever. Uh, this is meant to be for the whole community, the whole congregation. We call this a tax for the tent or a ransom. Uh, this, of course, uh, was the amount for the ransom for each soul among the children of Israel was half a shekel. Once again, the amount for the ransom for each soul among the children of Israel was half a shekel. Once again, we're looking at some instructions here, uh, protocol, Exodus 30, verse 12. And of course, notice that um, the age requirement to give an offering to the Lord was 20 years old and above. So once again, everyone pays the same amount. And last but not least, the atonement money was used for the service of the tabernacle. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Exodus 30, verse 16. So the atonement money was used for the service of the tabernacle. You know, for those that of you that are listening on this podcast, I can't stress it enough that, you know, listening to the podcast is great, but I'll tell you, you can really help us by helping us in our ministry and what we're trying to do. We are trying to, of course, not only bring, uh, you know, the Torah uh, to the nations, to bring this Word of God out, right, among the atmosphere here, to, to saturate the earth, for those that want to listen to a great podcast and bring you closer to God and His kingdom, because the Torah is His constitution. But, you know, you can actually uh, donate towards Beit Tehillah, towards our building fund and the things we're trying to do 
you know, I, I can't stress it enough. You know, we only have so many ways to generate revenue. You know, we're not going to sell lemonade, you know, and all that other stuff. But once again, uh, you can actually go to our website and uh, you can give electronically. So uh, and, and, and be sure to put on there, you know, that you do listen to the podcasts, uh, your name or whatever. And we can line it up with the, those that are listening to the podcast. Um, and like I said, the times that we're living in, I, I just want to say this. You give to what you believe in. And we're going to even talk about a willing heart later on, I believe. We've already mentioned it before. Uh, a willing heart had to build the tabernacle, not an unwilling heart. And so if you are willing, you, you can actually give towards Beit Tehillah and, and, and our uh, expenses as well. You know, especially with electricity and insurance, you know, uh, just a little reminder. You know, you give to what you believe in. And so as we begin to look at this particular ransom, a tax for the tent, once again, used for the service of the tabernacle. You know, I have to share this. You know, we started in the living room, and now we've grown to this. And, uh, you know, I just got back from like a two-day conference, and I want to share this with all of you that God is really moving. Uh, the Hebrews of the Christian faith is the move of God. It's not a move. It is the move. And, and I had the opportunity to go and, and share about Beit Tehill and our vision, uh, share about the two houses, about feast days, Shabbat, uh, with a bunch of prominent pastors. Uh, matter of fact, uh, if you guys remember Reggie White, uh, the famous football player who, who passed away, but uh, Reggie was getting into his Hebrew roots and everything, and uh, I actually got to meet Reggie White's pastor from Green Bay, you know, Wisconsin, you know, right there, the Packers, you know, uh, got to meet the chaplain, and of course, you know, he had a, a, a successful church in Wisconsin, but him and I were talking about Hebrew roots and everything and stuff, so once again, it's a, it's a small world, it really is. And so we can see where uh, there's a reason for everything. It's yeah. about participation. It's about an investment. You know, it's so funny. I, you know, God's going to give back to every man according to his works. I mean, think he's going to reward us according to our works. I mean, think about it. We're justified by the finished work of the cross. Now, what are we giving our money to? Yeah. What, what do we believe in? You know, we believe in a good lunch, a, a Starbucks coffee, a, a football game ticket. But, you know, do we give to the kingdom, you know? And the, the faith would tell you that you're going to get it all back. Right. I mean, think about what you're going to have in the kingdom of God because you tithe, because you gave offerings, you know. Can't stress it enough, everyone. You give to what you believe in. That's right. So real, we had Reuben Prager here, as I mentioned at the beginning of our podcast. What's cool is that, I mean, what are the chances that this Torah portion that we're recording the next morning... That's a good point. Biblical and clothing, yeah. So he, but he's coming... Up, no, up the up holy until, half shekel. Up until Friday night, this, this Torah portion is still good. The... the Biblical clothing, priest clothing. But think about it. Okay. So, oh my gosh, right in between. So even better, we have the biblical clothing and then the holy half shekel right after that. That's true. And what is he doing? Biblical clothing and the holy half That's shekel. That's right, the holy half shekel. I mean, wow. you can't make... Look, is the Torah relevant for... I don't know if you guys experience this or not, but it's every awesome. week... It's I'm, off the charts. I'm talking to my friends and stuff, and I'm just like, you know, the Torah portions are relevant for today. Every week, something from this Torah portion either happens in my life or God brings it up. I mean, and the timing, it's not like we made it up. This just happens to be Reuben Prager's first stop on a tour that he's doing throughout the U.S. And we just happen to be the people that were lucky enough to have him you know, talk about the half shekel and the biblical clothing. And we were able to get some biblical clothing and holy half shekels and uh, essential oils that were the the sense of the tabernacle and all the cool stuff that he's he's bringing. Um, I mean, it's just awesome. The timing is no coincidence. I just don't believe 
in coincidences whatsoever. And it really is happening quickly. It's, yeah. it's happening in a, in a quick manner. It is. And so, then, yeah, you know. And then to Pastor Nick's point about uh, giving to, to what you believe in, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I met with a financial advisor this last week, and you know, we're talking about investing and putting monies in, in these accounts and stuff. And and then you you give this money, and then it stays there, and then it grows on its own. And then when you when you buy stocks or mutual funds, it doesn't just grow by the amount that it increases, but it also like you get paid dividends or interest and and all these cool things that happen. I mean, do you think the kingdom of God is not that way? If you invest in the kingdom, do you think that the kingdom of God, that that, that those things that you give, they don't grow, uh, and it's not an investment that's probably going to pay more dividends and more interest and, and, and increase in value more than any stock that you could ever buy? It's my personal opinion, but I think investing in the Torah is a great way to start. Investing in the work of Yeshua and Jesus Christ Absolutely. and his ministry, I think that is uh, a best the best way, and in to order to have a strong community, race for the next generation, it's going to take finances. Yeah, trust me, I got seven kids. Um, we're going to move on now, and so the uh, the item on our agenda now, on our little subject matter, is of course uh, the sixth piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build was a laver of brass, a laver of brass. Exodus thirty eighteen. If you want to read that, Ryan, Exodus so... thirty eighteen. Last piece of furniture that's asked to be built. Uh, numero sixo. No. <laughs> it doesn't sound right, does it? No, it it's not a Spanish word. It, it, it it's it's not. Nico Plamero. Yeah, uh, you know you should El stick. Sixo. You should stick to your day job. I yeah, think. Yeah, the number for mano. <laughs> Okay, verse 18 of chapter 30. Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. So water was to be put in the laver for Aaron and his sons to wash their hands and feet. Isn't that interesting? Now, that was the instruction. Uh, That was the first thing they did when they would enter into the eastern gate there. They would go in, and they would, of course, pass up the altar and go straight to the labor, wash their hands and their feet. Uh, what comes to my mind is this, you know, um, of course, the, uh, the labor was made with the looking glasses of the women, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, notice the women gave their mirrors. So as we look at Ephesians uh, chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, mm. that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies? He that loveth his wife uh, loveth himself. Wow. So once again, the, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And once again, the, the water in the labor is a reflection of what we're supposed to look like. So with the washing of the water of the word, Ryan, it tells us how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to act what we're supposed to be doing. And so if you are grafted into the olive tree of Israel and Yeshua is the root of this olive tree, then there's a lifestyle, there's a behavior, a maturity, a responsibility that we all need to have in regards to this laver of brass. So what you're saying is that when I look into this laver, 
and I'm washing myself clean, that I see my reflection. And then in the same way, when I wash myself with the word, I look into it and I see my reflection. Is that Which, what you're saying? And, and we need Bible revival, Ryan, because listen, if we're not in the word, we don't have a proper reflection. Yeah. You know, not about you, but you know, there's times when I reflect frustration and hostility, rough around the edges, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm frustrated, it's coming from my heart. Right. So it's a heart issue. So what I try to do is get to the heart of the issue. Yeah. Uh, what's in my heart that's causing me to be frustrated to speak the way I'm speaking? Well, mm. it got to go to the heart. And then in our heart, God can give us peace and joy and love and calmness, uh, which is rare. But, you know, we need it. We need these things. So we're going to move on, but there's the labor. Uh, we're going to move on now to the anointing oil. Uh, what five ingredients made up the anointing oil, Ryan? So the five ingredients were myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil. And we got to smell all of these Interesting. last night. And, and here's some instructions for us. So the priests were commanded to anoint the tabernacle and, by last and themselves. Night. What's today? Is today Wednesday? Yeah. I, by by. By last night, I mean Absolutely. Monday night. So the priests were not allowed to make something like the anointing oil or put it on a stranger. You know, Ryan, this is the, the beauty of, of the Torah. God is showing us sanctification. Right. So all these things are to sanctify us. And see, what's happened, Ryan, is that we let the enemy come and whisper in our ear like, oh, well, you don't need to do these things. You don't have to do any rituals. You don't have to do the process. And what happens is we get sloppy. Oh, yeah. We're going to pull a Nadab or a Bihu later on. We're going to read that story. Ooh. And they were in the mix. They were in the grand opening, the inauguration. Sanctified. The, the, the dedication. Right. And, and God took them. So all I'm saying to all of you listening to the podcast is Hebrews has to be what God wants it to be. We can't, we can't define it the way we want it to be. Right. And we have to be mature and responsible. So we have myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil to make up this anointing oil. And they're going to anoint each other, and they're going to anoint the tabernacle and the furniture. Now, what four ingredients made up the incense in Exodus chapter 30, verse 34? What four ingredients made up the incense for the incense altar? So this was stacti, anica, galbanum, and frankincense. Wow. So here's four ingredients to make up the incense uh, before the Lord. So anyone who made the anointing oil or incense for personal use would be cut off from his people. You know, I know a lot of us use anointing oil and, 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 and things, you know, I, I really like cedarwood and hyssop together. By the way, we are smelling cedarwood and hyssop in here pretty much every okay. week. That's fine. <laughs> let me put some on the back of your neck. Um, let me put that in your car vent. Those are those fun to do. Um, I like it. I'm just telling you that, it, you know, you, you are not to make this for your own personal use. Uh, so I don't recommend grabbing these ingredients and making some, some you know, make your own, you know, aromatherapy or uh, especially with these particular ingredients. You could have some other ingredients, do some other things. Uh, matter of fact, oil is used for anointing. You right. could just use olive oil sure. and anoint somebody. Yeah. You know, uh, I know they talked about the, uh, the anointing oil on even on Aaron's beard. Mm. You know, for that specific purpose for the priesthood. So once again, so here, here we have some exciting things. We have the tax for the tent, a ransom, uh, the half shekel. We have the laver of brass. We've got anointing oil. We've got the incense. Oh, man, we are cooking now, folks. Now check this out. Now we're getting ready to go to Home Depot or Lowe's. We need a contractor for this tabernacle. Oh, yeah. some contractors. This is cool stuff here. Oh, these guys are rocking. So so the, the two builders, the Lord called to build a tabernacle was uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, 
And he also called forth Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach, of the tribe of Dan, or Hasamach. Now, Basilel was filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Wow. Basilel was filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Exodus 31, verse 3. So here, here we have uh, two great builders that God has, has chosen to do the work. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, that is awesome. So Basileel and Aholiab, uh, so the tribe of Judah, and then, of course, the tribe of Dan. Uh, very interesting. Uh, once again, uh, here's a great question. What was the Sabbath between the Lord and the children of Israel in Exodus 31, verse 17? What was the Sabbath between the ooh, Lord ooh, and the ooh, children of Israel? Ooh, ooh. Yes, I see that pick hand. Pick me, pick me. I see that hand. It's a sign. It's a sign. Of what? Of the covenant. Of the covenant. Of the Mosaic covenant. Do you want to so, be a part yeah. of the covenant? Do you want to be a part of the covenant? Yes, you do. Ask yourself the question. Do what, you want to be a part of the covenant? Here's a little trivia for you, Ryan. What's the sign of the covenant for Abraham? Circumcision. Circumcision. Do you see that? Everyone? All of a so, sudden, my my desire to be part of the covenant gets called into question. Like if I had to be an adult and have that question and not have had the benefit of my parents doing it for me. Let's stick with the sign of the Sabbath. Amen. Let's, <laughs> let's just stick with the sign of the Sabbath. It's, it's pain, like, painless. So it, it's a sign between the Lord and the children of Israel. That's so right. if you say, "Oh, I believe that I'm Israel and I'm grafted in," and you're not keeping the Shabbat. How could you be called the children of Israel? Because they keep the Shabbat. It's a sign. You know, it's kind of funny how God always gives a sign before he judges. That's right. Like Noah's Ark. What was the sign in Noah's time, Ryan? The animals were going into the ark two by two. They were going into the ark. Yeah. I mean, there they were. That's a sign. You don't normally see that. You don't see that happening around your home or in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? No, it doesn't say you had to go collect them. It says that so, they just So went. what's the sign in there? When, when I tell people, hey, we have church on Shabbat. That's what I share with these pastors. We have services on Saturday at 11. We honor the Shabbat. We come together on Friday nights as our families and as groups, and, and we go from house to house and different things. But on Saturday, we corporately come together at 11 o'clock to celebrate the Shabbat. So that was very, very interesting, having church on Saturday. So, um, so the Lord's going to give Moses, after communing with him, uh, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Oh, yeah. I love the saying, Ryan. It says, written with the finger of God. I do. I love it. But Moses had to get the tables. He had to get the tablets. We use the word tables in the King James Version, uh, but it's tablets. Um, and, and it's funny because, you know, they say that there's medicine in the Bible. Because, you know, Moses took two tablets. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan, for your support. <laughs> now, listen, think about it. So it's written with the finger of God. So what's the famous saying that we have? With the finger of God, I do cast out devils. That's not a saying, oh, but so Jesus I mean it's a that. statement that Yeshua, yeah, yeah. Yeshua proved that He's God, right? You know that the kingdom of God has come upon you, sure. Because I'm casting these devils out with my finger. But anyway, it's is that written in stone? Oh, is that written in stone? Is that written I in stone? Where do we there. get that? Wow, I love sayings. I guess I'm getting older. I love the cool sayings. Uh, so here we here we are. Now we're moving towards uh, the the story of a great tragedy. It is the golden calf. So I'm going to have Ryan, he's going to be reading Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 8, the golden calf incident. Let's begin. Do you think we should have a moment of silence before we read this? I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I think, because I just, you know, we all have done this, boy. Let's just 
Let's do it right. All right. So uh, 32, 1 through 8. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he made after he had made it a molten calf. Ooh. And they said, These are these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Ugh. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Israel. Oh, that just makes me sick. You know? You know, it's all about familiarity, you know? The symbol are the golden calves. So we know that they were worshipped in Egypt. Right. And you're going to even see what Jeroboam brings in the golden calves for the northern kingdom, sets them up uh, in Bethel, and then I do believe up in, uh, is it up in Dan, uh, the territory of Dan or whatever, the city of Dan. So I, I only mention this because, you know, here, here we have a situation where the people don't know where Aaron is. Now, uh, if you ever get a chance to watch Aleph Beta, it's an Orthodox Jewish website that actually does little videos about the Torah portions. I've got to really get caught up on some of those videos, but uh, they're little little teachings of like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and it actually shares about the Torah portion. And, and the thing that they were trying to express was the fact that, you know, to some degree, people believe that Moses was God. He was like God, you know? Right. And, and so with that, they, they felt like, okay, well, where's, where's our God? Where's our representative? Where's our... The guy that's speaking with us, you know, that let us out of here. Where did he go? What happened to him? What's going on, you know? And, uh, of course, you know, what happens is, uh, you know, he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights, this first go-around. How many of you know that? You're going to see that. Uh, and, and actually, um, they asked Aaron to, 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 to make gods. You know, when Moses didn't come down, they got in trouble, Yeah, you know? Uh, and so in Exodus 32, 1, uh, he said, hey, make us gods. Uh, and so Aaron asked for all the golden earrings from the people, and they made a molten calf yeah. out, of the, out of these earrings, you know. Uh, and, of course, Aaron uh, built an altar before the golden calf and proclaimed, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Which is, you know? they're calling the golden calf Yahweh. Just so well, not just that. that. Yeah, that, there's the representative now. Here is your God, you know. And, and it's a point of contact. It's something to look at. I mean, not actually a God, but symbolic or whatever. And it wasn't good. No. You know, it's like it's like putting your trust in an ideology, but this object or whatever. Uh, and of course, it says in Exodus 32, 6, And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. 
And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. So basically, uh, to cut to the chase, not only did they offer up burnt offerings, which is totally consumed, but they turned it into a party because they did peace offerings. Now, peace offerings are the only offering that you get to eat. It's a barbecue. So it's a party. It's a block party. They're having a party. And, and oh, by the way, uh, definitely sexual immorality going on as well. We'll get into all of that. But there is definitely sexual immorality going on. They threw like a Mardi Gras. This word play. Uh, so uh, what's interesting is that uh, the Jews commemorate this particular event on Tammuz 17. And then three weeks later, they have the ninth of Av. You know? So notice that this happened in the summertime. Uh, it's interesting, Ryan. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That when the Supreme Court passed the Same-Sex Marriage Act, it would have been the same time that Moses was up on the mountain before he came down to witness what he did. Right. So once again, is this even important for us as Christians? Should we even look at this in a new light? Is it a big deal? It's so much of a big deal that if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10... And you go, of course, to verses, uh, I want to say verses 6, I'll say 6 through 11. There's five tests that Israel is going to face, everyone. I'm going to give you these five tests, but I gave you the reference. Look it over later. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 11. Here are the five tests. Lust, idolatry, fornication, tempting the Lord, and murmuring. You know, a lot of us say, well, I've done pretty well until that fifth one, Yeah, like murmuring. And we won't get into that because the subject matter is, of course, idolatry. So let's look at what Paul says to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 7. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, which is kind of interesting... Here's this idolatry. In verse 14, uh, in the same chapter, verse 10 of, of 1 Corinthians, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I love John Bevere's definition of idolatry. John Bevere says, makes perfect sense, idolatry is whatever you give your strength to, wherever you get your strength from. Other than God, right? Think about this. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're habit creatures, we, we have, you know, all these habits that we have. We drive the same way to work. We drink the same coffee. You know, we, we're habit, it's habit forming our lifestyle. Our life is a habit. And boy, if you got to change that. You know, I was on my way to Orlando to go to this conference, Ryan. And it's so funny that we don't want to change. So I put in my GPS and they said, if you take this route, you'll shave you'll shave seven minutes off your route. Ooh. So I'm like... The temptation is real, right? Oh, I was like, Ryan, man, should I should I go this way and save seven minutes and get off course a little bit? Mm. I went off course, Ryan. Ooh. It was good. It was. The habit was I was going to go the original route. I said, listen, I'm going to save seven minutes. Trust the GPS. I did. I saved, I saved seven or ten minutes because of the traffic. You know, it's funny you say that. So... It, uh, my, I use the GPS all the time. I'm in sales, so I drive around from place to place to place all the time. And I will say that I've kind of gotten to the point where I've realized that that Google Maps can kind of control traffic a little bit. Like, 
there's I know that there's just a bajillion people out it's there using it. It's amazing the technology, right? It is, and it's so I it couldn't believe it. It points you this way or that way, and sometimes it's like it'll point me in a direction. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not following that this time, and I keep going straight the way that I think it's supposed to go, and then it'll show me that it's less time. It was trying to get me to go a different way, and why? Why? Anyway, that's a side you note. Know, totally it, side. I'm note. only bringing this up, everyone, because don't don't think that it's not relevant. Yeah. The Golden Calf incident is a catastrophe, a tragedy, everyone. Tammuz 17 to the 9th of Av is called the Three Weeks of Affliction. And we'll talk more about that later. So let's, so let's look at this. So, so the Lord told Moses he was angry with the people for making a molten calf to worship. Wow, God has emotions. We're made in His image. You know, He gets angry. We get angry. So Moses interceded for the people when the Lord wanted to destroy them. Ooh. Now think about it. Moses is the best man at the wedding, everyone. Now, Exodus 19, they get married. He's the best man at the wedding. Just like you're going to discover in the New Testament, uh, what, what, it, what John did John the Baptist, Baptist say? Hey, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. Right. He's part of the wedding party. He's putting this all together. He's preparing the way, right? Which is the coolest thing. And then, of course, we know the Apostle Paul. He tells us even, in, in, I believe, to the Corinthian church, I've espoused you to one husband, that to Christ, uh, which is incredible. So once again, Moses is an intercessor. You know, make intercession, not accusation. That's a whole nother topic that we can all learn from. So Moses was willing to intercede for the people. Now, when Moses came down with the two tables of the testimony, Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted and said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Right. It sounded like a war. Now, Ryan, let me, let me share this with you. This is so exciting. Joshua was waiting at the base of the mountain for his master. Praise God. What an awesome disciple. That's how I want to be. Right there? He was there the whole time. Didn't leave. Uh. Waiting for the master to come down. And I'm telling you guys this. And, and matter of fact, I think there's another verse we're going to look at too. It says that Joshua never left the tabernacle. I don't know if it's just this one, but he just was hanging out. Oh, it's he was. so funny, you know, hanging out. So, so when Moses comes down, he hears it too, but he's waiting for his master. Think about it. Moses didn't come down and say, Joshua, where were you? Well, you never came down. I went back to camp. Man, he stayed the course, Ryan. He was right there. And so we can see that. So there's a noise of war in the camp. When Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. And he was so angry that he broke the two tables of the testimony. He broke them. He broke the commandments. He just threw them down on the ground. They, all, they shattered. All at once. He broke all 10 commandments at the same time. At the same time. So once again, uh, it's funny how he saw the calf dancing. Now, we know that God is restoring the dance. I was sharing that at the <laughs> conference as well, the, the, the Vedic dance. God is restoring the dance. You can find this in, in Jeremiah 31, uh, references to the tambourine and to dancing. And, and so with that, just remember that there's a right way to dance and a wrong way to dance. Oh, yeah. And remember the woman, that the, the, the young girl that danced before Herod, was you know probably lewd and yeah. whatever you know, and of course what happened is uh, she asked for John the Baptist's head uh, in that particular dance. That was not a good dance. So now all of a sudden we're gonna have some um, we're gonna have to have some retribution here, restitution. Uh, Moses uh, took the golden calf, he ground it to powder, and he strewed it upon the water, and he made the children of Israel drink of it. So he like took this God and powderized it. And what did he do? He, he made the people drink it. Mm. So he belittled that calf God, that, that God of the calves or whatever it is, 
you know, he, he, he belittled it by grinding it up and say, all right, all of you drink it. You know, it's funny, too, because it, it's, it's like, okay, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what right. comes out of a man. Right. So uh, the children of Israel drank it. You know, that this was the punishment. This was the, uh, the, the, the you know, the call. Um, and so I love this. Aaron's excuse for making the golden calf was that he threw the gold into the fire and it came out a calf. Yeah. Exodus 32, 24. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if that wording's correct or not, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to just... If you had earrings yeah. and it turns into a calf, you, you, you're an accomplice. You did something. I'm just going to not say anything negative about Aaron, just for the sake of not saying because anything Because he's the middle child. You know, not, I'm not a middle child. No, but he is the middle nor child. Nor am I a Levite Miriam, or a Cohen. Then, then, then Aaron, then Moses is the baby of the family. I so, see. I the, see. There's to me. That's why me and Moses are on the same page. Because I'm the baby in the family. But you have, have you ever wondered why God gave Aaron a second chance? I mean, He gives a lot of us a second remember chance. Remember when some Aaron, of us He gives third remember, and fourths? Oh, He's the God of second chances. Hundred eighty seven. That's going to be my message on Saturday. I don't know. But remember when Moses and Aaron came against Moses? He spared him on that one too. Oh, Miriam and, and Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, Miriam. Miriam and Aaron. So anyway, um, so Moses uh, is going to ask. Who is on the Lord's side? This is what he's going to ask. Who is on the Lord's side? All the sons of Levi came to him. Ooh. Now, now here's the judgment. 3,000 men were killed by the children of Levi because of the golden calf worship. You know, on the flip side, it says 3,000 came to know the Lord and were baptized in the mm. book of Acts after the Holy Spirit fell. So there's some there's some cool numbers so, there. So in in you know if you put that together with Paul's letters about the law of sin and death, and how no one is righteous through the law, right? But that the law has come so that we would know what sin is. That's true. Here is the example, right? The the Torah is given and three thousand people die, right? The Spirit is given and three thousand people come to know the Lord. What an awesome you know just showing God's mercy and grace. It's just it's just cool. And, and think about this, you know. So the next morning, Moses said to the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure, I shall make an atonement for your sin. I love this, Ryan. Moses is an intercessor. Uh, some years ago, the Lord began to show me this. Are we intercessors or accusers? We have to be intercessors. That's right. You know, when I, when I see this, Ryan, I, I tell you a true story that happened to me one time. Uh, when I learned this from Moses, uh, and, and it's something that we all can learn to do, but as the leader of Beit Tehillah, the spiritual leader, as the pastor, you know, uh, I hold myself responsible for my words and my actions, but I was out in the public sector of life, and somebody approached me, and they were sharing about how somebody had offended them and did something to them, and I said to them, I ask for your forgiveness. Mm. Please forgive me. And they said, well, Pastor Nick, it wasn't you. I said, yeah, but I'm over these people. And they should know better than to say that or do that. Yeah. As, as sheep, you know, as part of the community. It's this people But I have you no regrets with that, Ryan. I'm telling you right now, I will ask for forgiveness on behalf of this congregation. If somebody's been done wrong uh, or, or mistreated or whatever, I'm definitely going to, to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness uh, because people deserve better than that. And I love what, what, what he's going to do here. Look, look, look what Moses says. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 32 and 33, check this out. Yet now if thou will forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book 
which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Right. The Lamb's book of life. Oof. You know, it's, it, it doesn't matter whether your name is in the book or not, because everybody's in the book. Is it blotted out? Is there a line through it? It's kind of like going in for dinner reservations. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not, you know, you're not on the list. You know, there's a line through your name or something. You're, you're not here. Right. You're blotted out. Sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did somebody cancel your reservations? So once again, this is all about intercession. Amen. And that's one of the biggest things we can do. Did you know that prayer is intercession? Intercession is prayer. So because of the result of this, we're going to move on. The Lord did plague the people because of the golden calf. He did. He gave them a plague. You know, not every sickness is because it's from God or a punishment or whatever. But remember what he said? He said, you know, listen, what I put on the Egyptians, I won't put on you. If you listen to me, if you follow me. Yeah, that was an if-then one. And then when you don't do it, then, oh, look, the plague. So, you know, I mean, we, we've got exciting things here. For the, for the sake of time, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to do any more reading, but... You know, uh, that Exodus 32 uh, is paramount to today, so radical for today, once again. Um, but we're going to be moving into that. Uh, the Lord told Moses that he will send his angel before the people to drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Heatite, the Perizzite, the Heavite, and the Jebusite. Exodus 33, verse 2. We're in Exodus chapter 33. His angel will go before them to drive out the Canaanite. You know, right? I believe that God's angels are going before us. I believe it the too. The Holy Spirit, the Lord is going before us to prepare us for the promises and for our inheritance. He is he is actually, I believe, sending his angels out to bring about this family reunion Amen. of Judah and Joseph. I, I really believe it. Now, the Lord told Moses the people were stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. See, I'm, ne- I'm necked. I know you are. Neck. Neck. Stiff-necked. <laughs> now, what's a stiff neck? It doesn't turn. It's stubborn. It's looking straight ahead. Mm-hmm. It's not looking to the left, not looking to the right. You know, they say that's why God really loved Moses and called out to him, because he turned to see the burning bush. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times where we have to turn, Ryan. You know, it, it, it's like I was so locked into this place that I was going to with one of my children. I mean, I was stiff-necked all the way. I, I got out of the car, but I'm looking straight ahead at this place, got the kid by the hand, you know, let's go. And, and the child's like, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, Daddy, look. And I'm like, no, no, come on, let's go. Daddy, look. And they kind of pulled my hand to the back. And I stopped, and I says, what? Look at this bush, Daddy. Covered caterpillars. Covered. And I don't know if they're poisonous or what, but I was walking by them, Ryan. Wow. And I thought, I didn't see the first caterpillar. I was so locked into. That's why we got to be observant, everyone, even in our church services. Be observant. Look, Look around. See what's going on here. So the Lord wanted the people to take off their ornaments. You know, it's like a safeguard. Listen, you took your earrings and you made a golden calf. Give me all your ornaments. Yeah. <laughs> Hand over your bling bling. Yeah. Because you're not going to have any more bling bling. Uh, what are you going to make this into? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so it, it, this is another interesting portion. I love, I, I love this. Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. So this was the temporary operation they had going on you know, they right. say it's like this is where moses stayed this is like the parsonage so he moves it outside the camp because they're going to build this tabernacle right and so he pitched it outside the camp so he like he like changed the location a little bit 
to get people's attention to what's going on. So like Moses actually like took the parsonage and moved it away from the people. And you're going to see where they actually came to still get direction. Uh, they came to, to worship. So, so something to think about. Uh, it's not the tabernacle itself because they're building it, they're setting it up. But they, but, but they have to, of course, uh, this was like the parsonage, you know. And so um, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 10, it says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. You know, I'll tell you something, Ryan. When I was sharing uh, with those pastors about the vision of Beit Tehillah and the Hebrews of the Christian faith, I kid you not, Ryan, I was looking down at the microphone, I looked at, the guest, the host there, Ken Gobb, I was looking at Paul, and I looked up, Ryan, and I could see God's glory, mm. the glory cloud in this room. That's awesome. That's like a, like a, you know, just a, you know, a square room, like a, you know, rectangle almost, uh, long ways, you know, and I'm at the front of the room, but I'm telling you, Ryan, when I, when I shared about the two sticks becoming one, boom, I saw like this mist, like this cloud in the room. And I said, wow. And, and, and the whole theme and, and everything that we talked about was about, you know, not doing a service, but, but looking for the presence of God, wanting the presence of God, making room for the presence of God. And I thought that was really, really cool. And, um, and of course, we know that when you see uh, clouds represent glory, he'll come on clouds of glory. You know, clouds represent the glory of God. And um, like I said, you know, um, there's times when I actually come to the church in the morning, it, 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 it'll be almost nightfall and I leave. And I, and I always wonder, gosh, where'd the time go? You know, there's so much to do, so much going on. But, uh, but Joshua, the son of Nun, never left the tabernacle. Exodus 33, verse 11. Check that out. That's a little nugget, people. Yeah, I love Joshua. He, he never left the tabernacle. You know, it's funny, sometimes you have a church service, and, and the service is over. Man, people dart out the door, man. They're gone. Yeah. You, you're, you're trying to find them. You want to give them something or give them a... Man, they're like, they're already eating salad at Sweet Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. And we're like, maybe what's, the, what's up with that? Maybe they're the smart ones. What's <laughs> what's up with that? I mean, really, what's up with that? Hey, the calls are coming in now. Oh, no, that means I didn't turn my phone down. Oh. You know what? I think this podcast is more important. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Listen... We haven't had Torah, Ryan, since 722 B.C. It's not a strange thing. Torah is making a comeback. That's right. Torah is making a comeback. You know, I love this, too. Uh, this is a little trivia question for you. Uh, how many times can you find the word grace in this Torah portion? I think it's four. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like the outline? you like the answers, Ryan? What are you talking about? Now, I, grace... I did that off the top of my listen, head. Listen, <laughs> that word grace means chen. chen. It means favor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's the same word used with Noah, Noah and God. Yeah. Remember, Noah found grace with God. He found chen. Chen. You know, some people say that was his wife. Noah found grace. Oh. It's not a cute little joke. That's that a, is cute a cute joke. Little joke. It, it's got to be. It's got to be. It is a cute joke, though. And so, once again, uh, this is an exciting portion. Think about it. Joshua never left the tabernacle. Grace is found in the Torah portion. That's why I'm not real big in dispensationalism. Yeah. If you can find grace in the Old Testament, why are you saying, well, now we're in grace, we're not under law, when in fact you could find grace in the Old Testament? Yeah. Uh, something to think about. The it's word, just a misunderstanding of the concept. Um, Exodus 33, 14, uh, God promised Moses his presence and rest. I'll take it. Presence and rest. Um, so here's Moses. <clears throat> and you know what Moses wanted from God? 
Moses wanted his glory to be seen. He wanted to see God's glory, right? Exodus 33, 18. Why don't you read that? 33, 18. All right, so 33, 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Wow. So now Moses is like, come on, man, I want to see your glory. But the Lord said to Moses, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Wow. So once again, when God shows up, he says, I'll send my angel before you. He's in the burning bush. He's having a meal with them at Mount Sinai when they're making the covenant, right? It's a theophany. But he says, no one has seen the face of God and lived. But listen, we're not going to get into it, but in the New Testament, I believe in Revelation, it talks about we, we will see his face and live. There's coming a time oh, yeah. at the full revelation of God. Think about it. So Moses was able to see God's back parts as he stood in the cleft of the rock. He let him go by like, like, a, like a motorcade, you know, seeing him go by. And, and, and right there, he saw the back parts. He said, let's just see my back parts, you know. What I like about that, Ryan, it's like it shows me that God is going before me. Right. You know, if I see his back parts, he's going before me. So just like with the restoration that we gather the whole house of Israel, he is going before us. So Moses made two new tables of stone, and no man, flocks, or herds could come near the mount. See, Ryan, God is so holy, he has boundaries, perimeters. You know what I mean? And he said, listen. Now, this is in Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 and 3, right? Don't come near the mount. Now, remember in Exodus 19, it was the same thing, set up boundaries. Right. See, that's why, you know, we, we want to create the sanctuary as a sanctuary. It's not a skating rink. It's not rollerblading, you know. And so we have some incredible things happening here. Um, in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, I'm going to have Ryan read this. Uh, this is very interesting. This is the God of second chances, I would call it. And we are going to find the 13 attributes of mercy contained within this uh, portion of Scripture, these two verses. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, which the Jewish people call the 13 attributes of mercy. And we'll go over that a little bit. Oh, yeah, it's great. It says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Wow. Once again, I call this the God of second chances. Now, you can look this up for yourself among, among uh, you know, the Jewish people in Judaism, but uh, this is the 13 attributes of mercy, asking God for forgiveness. And so I'm just going to kind of call them out here for you for just a little bit here. The 13 attributes that they say uh, among the Jewish people from these two scripture verses, which is, of course, Exodus chapter 34, Verses six and seven. Listen up, everybody. How many of you need a second chance? Oh, I need. Like How a, many of us have messed up? Like a ninety-seven. And we chance. need a second chance. Amen. I know I need His mercy. So here they are. Here are these attributes of God. I love this. This is written right among the Jewish people, and it's for us as well. Amen. It talks about. It says the Lord or Adonai. So God is merciful before a person sins. 
I'm not going to get into all the detail. That's number one. Number two, the Lord, or Adonai. God is merciful after the sinner has gone astray. Wow. That's his mercy. Uh, number three, or God, or El, a name that denotes power as ruler over nature and humankind, indicating that God's mercy sometimes surpasses even the degree indicated by this name. Wow. Let's continue on. The 13 attributes of God. The Lord, of course, the Lord again, and God, now compassionate. God is filled with loving sympathy for human frailty, does not put people into situations of extreme temptation, and eases the punishment of the guilty. That's his mercy. You didn't get what was coming to you, everyone. Think about it. I know sometimes we feel like we did, but there are times when we didn't get what was coming to us. Moving on here to gracious. God shows mercy even to those who do not deserve it, consoling the afflicted and raising up the oppressed. He's slow to anger, another attribute, one of the 13 attributes. Slow to anger. God gives the sinner ample time to reflect, improve, and repent. I love this. Abundant in kindness. God is kind toward those who lack personal merits, providing more gifts and blessings than they deserve. If one's personal behavior is evenly balanced between virtue and sin, God tips the scales of justice toward the good. Yeah. Wow. Think about it. The golden calf was a mess up. Man, they needed a mulligan. They needed a do-over. And we're going to see where God's going to give that. God never reneges on his word to reward those who serve him. This is the word truth. They have met. He's a preserver of kindness. This is an attribute for thousands of generations. God remembers the deeds of the righteous for the benefit of their less virtuous generations of offspring. Thus, we constantly invoke the merit of the patriarchs, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What an attribute. These are the 13 attributes I'm reading to you. This is public records. You can go online and find it. He's the forgiver of iniquity. God forgives intentional sin resulting from an evil disposition as long as the sinner repents. Wow. Attribute number 11, he's a forgiver of willful sin. God allows even those who commit a sin with the malicious intent of rebelling against and angering him the opportunity to repent. Now, you're wrong for doing that, but he gives you the opportunity. That is an attribute of mercy. The 12th attribute of of God's mercy. He's the forgiver of error. God forgives a sin committed out of carelessness, thoughtlessness, or apathy. Remember, apathy is not feeling for another person. Right. Empathy is, is feeling for another person. You know, putting yourself in their shoes. Apathy is the opposite. Like you don't care what they're going through. You don't care what they've been through. Last but not least, the 13th attribute of God's mercy, who cleanses. God is merciful, gracious, and forgiving wiping away the sins of those who truly repent. However, if one does not repent, God does not cleanse. Don't have time to go over all those again, but once again, it's public records. You can find it for yourself. I highly recommend that you go check it out online, the 13 attributes of mercy from God. But aren't you feeling better? I know I am. Amen. Amen. I know I'm feeling much, much better. And uh, so so here he's going into something now. So if you mess up and God gives us mercy, check this out. What did the Lord say would happen if his people made a covenant with the inhabitants of the land? It would be a snare. Right. 
well, it would be a snare. Well, yeah, no. Think about the uh, the Oslo Accords, Land for Peace, and everything, and uh, the Y Accord. There's Oslo. There's the uh, right. There's these different uh, agreements that were kind of made. It would be a snare if you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Right. You know, it's like saying, you know, let's go with the two-state solution. Listen, they give up Gaza, and now Katusha rockets are being fired upon them, like 4th of July every day. You really think another Palestinian state is going to, to, to solve the problem? Listen nope. to this, Ryan. This is very important that you know this. This is a fact. If there is a Palestinian state, Ryan, not one Jew can live in it. Now, that's not what's happening in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria, the heartland of Israel, there are Jews and Arabs all throughout. Living together. There's almost half a million Jews and, and I guess, two million Arabs scattered throughout. Yeah. And they are living in the same geographical area to some degree. So think about that. So it would be a snare. What a, what a setup this, this all is here, you know. And there's so many good things in this Torah portion that we could actually go on and on about. But uh, we're going to close it out with, of course, we have the, uh, the three national feast days that are mentioned. We have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Passover, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, which is in Tabernacles. So once again, you get a second chance. Don't make a covenant with the people in the land. Celebrate these feast days. Keep the feast days. Of course, Moses was on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without bread or water. So once again, he's going up to get the second set of tables or tablets. The second set. You understand, Ryan? Oh, yeah. So if you think about it, if he goes up on a little one, he's going to come back down on what? On what? Tishri 10? Tishri 10. Yeah. Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. So everyone needs to understand the golden calf incident is why we have Yom Kippur. Yeah. It's why we have Yom Kippur today. So once again, he's on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without bread or water. Uh, I love this last uh, portion of scripture here. Exodus chapter 34, verse 35. Uh, 33 through 35. I'm going to have Ryan finish that out for us. Boy, this is really, really good. You want the 33 or 34, 33 through 35? Yeah, Exodus 34, verses 33 through 35. Uh, we're going to finish up here. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. I think that we wow. can all go into the presence of the Lord and that we will shine. <sighs> Amen. You know, you can't buy the presence of the Lord. Yeah. You know, it's funny. People want signs and wonders and prophesying and things like that. But Ryan, I'm telling you, the glory of God will only come when we're honest. We have to be naked before him in order for his glory to come down. And that's what we have to desire. And it's kind of funny as we go into our small groups, we have to, of course, ask this question, what two lessons can be learned from this Torah portion, ki tisa, when you elevate from a consensus of the group? I would like to submit my two. What I get out of this is, number one, God is a God of second chances. Mm. Maybe you're listening to this podcast. You haven't quite measured up. Just telling that. Say, Lord, I'm not cutting it. I was slack. You know, I dropped the ball. Please forgive me. I want to do better. I know I can do better. Strengthen me. When I'm weak, you're strong. So I believe, number one, he's the God of second chances, or we wouldn't be here. I thank God for that. Amen. 
There's times we feel very righteous and holy. We've done very well. Then there's times where we just, like I said, we drop the ball, we mess up. Pick yourself up. Admit it. Move on. And number two, be obedient. Now that you've messed up, pick up, pick yourself up. Start over. Be obedient. The God of second chances, number one. Number two, be obedient. Amen. And so that, that's all I have to say. So my two would be uh, the first one being avoid or abstain from all appearance of evil, right? So if you don't even put yourself in a position where you might fall, then you won't have to worry about, oh, I threw all the golden earrings that I collected in order to make an idol into the fire, and it just became a golden calf. You know, come on, right? Uh, If you don't put yourself in a position where you might fall, then you won't fall, right? So that's the idea about putting fences around the Torah commandments, right? Is that you you don't even get close to sinning, and then you won't sin. And then uh, my second one is just God's mercy and grace, right? I mean, just those 13 attributes that Pastor went through, and just that the Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Oh my gosh. I mean, just the who God is, is awesome. And we just owe Him everything. I mean, just absolutely everything. And so, um, man, I'll tell you what, there's a lot in here. We have... Uh, we went an hour, Ryan. We can't help it. Well, you know, what's funny about that is we always talk, oh, we're going to go shorter today, right? We're just going to get it quick, oh, easy man. in, what easy out. What are you going to cut out? I know. Exactly right. So uh, we just appreciate you guys sticking with us and listening. Uh, we love your feedback, the emails we're getting and whatnot. Uh, it's just great to hear from you guys. We love you. Um, and remember, March 4th, we have Eve Harrow coming in studio, and uh, we would love to have you guys come. Uh, or watch online with us. I believe we are going to be live streaming that event. Uh, if you guys have questions or anything, like I said, go ahead and, and, and email me at ryan at twopraise.net or you can call the office at 813-654-2222. God bless you guys. Have a great week.